The content of CPR Unplugged is designed for entertainment purposes only and is not intended as mental health treatment or medical or mental health advice. Details such as names and locations may have been changed to protect individual privacy. Hello and welcome to CPR Unplugged. I am your host, Jess. Today I am joined by Andrew Tarek. He is the Vice President of Corporate Compliance and Risk Management at COPA Health. Hey, Andrew, good to have you. Hi, thank you for having me. So we're going to talk a little bit about what you do because that's quite a lofty title. I want to get a little bit of a better idea of uh, how that applies in the field. So tell us about that. Yeah, you know, I get a lot of comments on the title. It's kind of long. Um, uh, but really, so my main job is I oversee both corporate compliance and quality management uh, for our, organ- our organization. Um, so it involves not only the quality management piece, which uh, is ensuring that all of our services are uh, meeting the standards uh, that we're beholden to, as well as trying to enhance our services to be the best possible for our members at COPA Health. Uh, but then also I do uh, manage the compliance side, which is where we will uh, ensure compliance with HIPAA regulations, uh, compliance with other federal rules, uh, internal investigations, things of that nature. So I have two different teams, uh, and they both report to me, um, and that's kind of the overall setup of that position. That's why it has this long title. That's awesome. I I don't think people often realize that there's this whole mess of stuff happening in the background to really provide clients with the best possible service. Yeah, yeah. And I and for years I've worked in quality management and quite often um and for other behavioral health individuals who are listening to this, compliance often gets wrapped up into quality management. And what ends up happening is you spend so much time dealing with the compliance issues, the the state coming out to do an audit. Uh, data validation, all these these sort of uh, regulatory stuff that that comes up that you don't get to do the quality part of it where you're actually looking at our services and and trying to improve. So by separating those two out and creating two separate divisions, we can really have a quality management team that's dedicated to enhancing the care of our members and then a compliance team that can deal with that other, the regulatory, more black and white kind of stuff. That's awesome. Okay, so tell me a little bit about COPA Health. I know there's a lot of people out there that are not too familiar so COPA Health, a uh, brand new name, but uh, from an or- two organizations that have been around for quite a while. Uh, so many people may be familiar with Mark Community Resources and Partners in Recovery. Mark Community Resources has been around since 1957 um, and was founded here in Maricopa County, Arizona. So they've been around for quite a long time. Um, and then Partners in Recovery is going on about 11 years now. Um, so both organizations have come together. Uh, it's kind of hard to describe the way people say merger or acquisition. It's not really either of those things. It's more of sort of like a marriage uh, where we kind of had a lot of shared values and we're already working together and we just sort of changed the way that that looked and became uh, COPA Health. So that's our, our new organization and all those same services that Partners in Recovery and Mark Community Resources were providing. Now COPA Health is uh, that or- single organization to do that. Okay. And that makes complete sense. Um, so I'm familiar with the two and it seems very natural. They really complement each other for the two of those to come together. Uh, but for those who may not be as familiar, can you give us an idea of the types of services that are provided through those? Absolutely. Uh, so Partners in Recovery, uh, we are, that, that organization is, has several integrated health homes. Uh, we have 
five integrated health homes and uh, two other outpatient clinics, primarily serving the seriously mentally ill um, or what uh, was previously like the outpatient uh, clinic model in the system. Uh, so partisan recovery serves primarily that, that population as well as general mental health and substance abuse population. And then Mark Community Resources, uh, they have uh, a housing, behavioral housing program, residential facilities, um, as well as uh, an entire branch of developmental disabilities and, and intellectual disabilities uh, services. Um, and they, they also have a uh, counseling service, which provides services like an outpatient counseling service. And that's been really one of the best parts of this that's joining of these two organizations is we've been able to take a lot of that counseling, those counseling services and bring those into our integrated health homes and start providing more counseling to our members. Um, and it adds to that integration. So you can get your primary care, your mental health care, and also counseling at our clinics. Tell me a little bit more. What is an integrated health home? So integrated health home essentially is a one-stop shop for all of your, uh, primary care needs, as well as uh, psychiatric needs, as well as uh, social support needs. So people that are enrolled uh, in our integrated health home, and they have a choice, we always honor choice um, in, our, in our business. But so someone can decide, okay, I wanna be part of the integrated services, they get to see a primary care physician, uh, a behavioral health medical practitioner, they'll have a case management team, they'll have, uh, potentially a counselor, and all of them working on the same team in the same building, working together, collaborating. Um, and that just makes that care so much more fluid when you're capturing that full picture of the individual. And someone can just go to one place to get all of those needs met. Now, not all of our members choose that path, but a good portion of our members are enrolled in all of those services. Most definitely. I can imagine that is, I mean, the convenience behind it, of course, right? And then just not having to um, keep track of so many different providers and, and addresses and all those other things. But also I can imagine it's for your providers themselves, they're able to communicate more effectively and work better as a team. Yeah, there's a lot of collaboration. You know, we do uh, daily huddles every single day where our medical providers sit down, all the, the psychiatrists and psychiatric nurse practitioners sit down with our primary care physician at each location. Um, and they discuss the unique needs of our of our population. So it creates this really great collaborative effort around uh, members' healthcare needs. Because oftentimes, you know, someone's physical health could be getting in the way of their their progress in their mental health, or some sort of social determinant need is getting in the way of them being able to attend a, an appointment. So we have this sort of full spectrum of services to support all of those areas, and it's really nice to see everyone come together and work to kind of come up with creative ways around that. Um, we also have assertive community treatment as well, uh, ACT teams, and those, those teams also have that integrated health support. So we have our primary care physician providing services to our ACT teams as well, which makes that, that service even more enhanced for those members. Tell me about an ACT team, what are those? So ACT teams are the highest level of care uh, that we have or the most um, intensive level of services. There's uh, some pretty strict fidelity metrics on the application of an ACT team. And so an ACT team will typically compose of a maximum of 100 individuals. So you don't exceed 100 people, uh, members on an ACT team. And then staff rate, staffing ratios are usually 10 to 12 to 1. So 10 or 
so 10 members to uh, one staff member. Um, and that really enhances the, uh, the level of contact that you have with members. And the majority of those services are in the community. So our ACT teams really are experts at meeting members where they're at. So if you have, if you think about it, if you have a member who uh, is struggling uh, with homelessness or just struggling to engage and the, the members that maybe are having the biggest challenges, if they're on an ACT team, we're able to go out into the community, meet them where they're at, engage with them, give them the services they need, give them their, their injection, whatever, they, whatever it is that they need in that moment, and hopefully get them more connected to the services in the clinic over time. So it's, it's a really great service, uh, and it's something that uh, we take a lot of pride in. We actually have uh, the only medical act team right now in, our, in Maricopa County, uh, which awesome. was started, uh, I think, about five years ago or six years ago. And they recently won the RISE Award in 2019 for, for their efforts. So they are cool. one of our shining stars. Very cool. So... I can see Andrew right now. We're talking over Zoom, and I can see as I'm asking you these questions, um, it, your facial expressions, and, and you're very expressive, and I can tell you're very passionate about the work that you're doing. Tell me how you got into this work. Well, I, I've done, uh, most of my career has been in, in administration, but I've done uh, a lot, pretty much everything along the way. So I first got into this work working in developmental, with the people, with adults with developmental disabilities, uh, that also had um, a severe mental illness, um, and that was in New York. It was uh, it was actually a behavioral group home, um, and this was a setup that occurred uh, for people that were leaving the state hospital. So, um, if anyone's aware of the history of state hospitals and institutionalization, uh, after these individuals were released back into the community, they needed a place to live and support services. So, I worked in one of the homes in where several members that had once been institutionalized were now living in the community. So it was a very challenging environment, and that's kind of where I started. Um, and then here in Arizona, I've done pretty much uh, everything. I've done outpatient uh, work. Um, I've also worked uh, as, the, as an inpatient administrator. So I was the uh, head administrator for the, the PRC West, as is what it's often referred to, or the sort of West Side uh, inpatient facility. So I did that for a few years for uh, recovery innovations, or now they are RI International. And now, uh, then I moved over to Partisan Recovery, which has become COPA Health. Um, and I've been in sort of quality management uh, compliance-like roles ever since then. Uh, I'm also a associate licensed counselor. So I've done, um, so I, I, I've done a lot of side work as a counselor. So it's not my full-time job, um, and I haven't gone back to that in a while, but I do have a lot of passion about working directly with individuals, and I hope that once sort of some of this COVID stuff clears up and uh, everything, I can get back to doing that as a part-time job. So you're bringing a lot of unique experiences to this position with you, and I love that you have both sides of it. Um, you have the administrative side, but also the clinical side. You have background experience in both. Do you feel like that helps? bridge the gap? Because it sounds like a lot of what you do is bridging that gap between services and, and clients. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, for me, it's, it's, I approach uh, the quality management compliance department as uh, I really like to, to be very collaborative. Um, and uh, the most important to me is that human connection. So 
I don't want to be the police. I don't want to create a whole bunch of uh, rules and provide and corrective action plans and performance improvement plans. That's that's not what we're about. Um, and I, I found that it's been a much more effective way to really connect with individuals and programs and discuss those challenges and approach it more like a clinician would um, and kind of develop plans around that stuff, so around the challenges that we can all agree on and work on together to better um, the overall services that we're providing. Uh, now, of course, when it comes to compliance, sometimes there's just a rule is a rule and we have to follow it. Uh, but I, I, for me, the most value, the thing that I enjoy the most about working in this field is helping people. So when I'm even in my role as the VP of compliance and risk management, I, my main, what I enjoy the most is when I can actually help other leaders and work with other leaders and programs and have those types of collaborative, collaborative conversations um, and help work through solutions. That's, that's my favorite part of the job. Um, and any chance I get to, to speak to, to our members, and usually when I'm speaking to our members, it's because they're very upset about something. Um, I, I cherish those, though. I cherish those moments, though, because it's, it's a really great opportunity to hear from people and get feedback. And I, that's, that's, what I, that's what I want to do. And I want to try to make sure that our company, that Copa Health, is doing everything they can to uh, provide the best services to all of our members. And this is up to you how much you would like to share. Do you have some personal experiences with mental health? I do. Um, so I, I, I personally struggle with insomnia and anxiety. Uh, I tend to, uh, I've had, you know, I've had a lot, I've had a lot of struggles with, with my, with my anxiety disorder, uh, especially considering the, the work that I do because it can sometimes be very intense. Um, and you can try to be a perfectionist and try to get everything right all the time and, and sort of know everything. And so one of the things that's been very helpful actually in, in managing that, uh, is, uh, I don't know if any, if you've heard of Brene Brown at all and her work. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. And I, I don't want to sound like one of those people that's like, oh, self-help book stuff is going to be the answer to everything. But uh, for me, at least, uh, Brene Brown's uh, books and research has been uh, phenomenally helpful uh, to just sort of help me identify what, what was causing a lot of that anxiety and what was causing a lot of those, those that strive for perfectionism. Um, and it's really helped me kind of grow as a leader and show up more uh, as a human in these in these moments instead of trying to be uh, perfect and get everything right and be so rigid. Um, but it's still, you know, they're, they're, those things are still ingrained. I mean, even here now, having this conversation at times, I, I'm struggling to, to kind of um, formulate a thought because I'm nervous, but I'm, I'm doing my best to just sort of show up as a human. I love that, show up as a human. I think I'm going to steal that from you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, thank you for sharing that experience. I know a lot of times talking about our own personal uh, journey can be more difficult, but that also adds to, you know, for, for a lot of people, they hear something like COPA Health or Partners in Recovery, and they think of the organizational aspects of it. But to know that there are people in the background who have the clinical experience, who have the personal life experience, that really makes it um, a personable organization that you know, people know that the people in the background working on these things understand and, and are really there, you know, kind of as cheerleaders for them and, and to help boost them up and help them out. Yeah. And one of our values at Copa Health, one, one's 
when we rolled out the new name and we came up with our core values that I think we live uh, in a great way is people first. Um, and our CEO, Sharna Joppy Piper, has put in an immense amount of uh, work and projects and effort to really enhance not only what we do for uh, our members, but also what we do for our employees. Because in this field, especially when you're working in public health, you're constantly strained by oversight and regulations and funding not quite being there, uh, needs from the community. You know, there, there's always something, right, that's sort of straining us. And we ask so much of our staff, we ask so much of our frontline staff, and so often it gets reduced to like, you know, did you hit your numbers? Did you get this? Did you get that? And uh, our, our culture now has really shifted towards really taking care of employees and um, not that it wasn't before, but just that it's, it's really, that's a huge focus of where we're at right now is to, uh, and you see that, we see that show up a lot in the response to COVID-19. Uh, when that hit, it was like immediate. We were uh, very quick to get ourselves uh, organized, to uh, get technology implemented, and to, to make sure that our staff could work from home can uh, you know, meet their childcare needs. You know, right now we're collecting, we, we're purchasing laptops and collecting laptops to get to parents so that their kids can, so that they, we can ensure that our staff have laptops to their kids so they can attend school. Um, alternative schedules so parents can work with um, their kids so their kids can attend school virtually. So these are the sort of great things about public health that I really have enjoyed uh, that some of the, in, in sort of our philosophy and approach. Um, and yeah, as it's, it's been uh, very heartening to be a part of an organization that, that shows that it cares um, not only about, you know, the people that we serve, but the people that work within that, within that organization. That is so great to hear. And it's true. It's, it kind of goes back to that whole um, airplane scenario. you got to put your own oxygen mask on before anyone else. Um, and when organizations really take care of those frontline staff members, it shows in the services that they provide and the quality and care that they provide. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the grace and support and empathy that we have for the people we serve, we have to remember that the, there are human beings providing those services as well. They're going to need that, that same grace, that same empathy, that same understanding. Um, and it's really important that we are, we as leaders are always open to, to hearing that and showing up in that way for our, for our staff and for our members. Well, I'm glad I had this opportunity today to touch base with you and learn more about COPA Health and the services that you provide and, and the people behind the services. If people wanted to learn more, where could they go for additional information? So they could go to copahealth.org. Um, and then I would also really encourage people. We have a couple of big events uh, coming up. Uh, so last year we had an event around uh, planning for a pandemic, and this was in September. So it was before uh, the pandemic. Uh, this year we have uh, a free COPA Health Resiliency during a pandemic virtual conference. Uh, so that can be found at copahealth.org. And there we're going to be talking about and sharing a whole lot of the stuff that we've learned and implemented, including some of uh, an abridged version of our uh, pandemic plan for people to review and potentially modify for their own use, um, as well as other resources. Um, and we have a big fundraiser coming up uh, called the Copa Health uh, Virtual Gala. So this will be interesting because we usually have a big, a big gala every year, and this one's going to be virtual. 
Again, you can find that on our website. Uh, if you want to uh, go there and check that out and donate, those, that, that money goes directly to uh, supporting our members, uh, um, especially our members that have developmental disabilities where our funding isn't as great as it can be. Um, so this type of uh, a gala like this where we get donations becomes so important for us and our, and our, our members and our funding for the year. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining us today, Andrew. Thank you for having me. Um, and uh, yeah, this is a this is a pleasure. Got questions or ideas for the podcast, or perhaps you have your own story to share? We'd love to hear from you. Email us at podcast at crisisprepandrecovery.com or call 602-281-7795. You can also find us online at cprpodcast.podbean.com or wherever you prefer to find your podcasts. CPR Unplugged was produced by Crisis Preparation and Recovery, Inc. The intro and outro music was created by Rob Wilson. The CPR podcast team includes Tamara Lamontagne, Ben Edwards, Laura Kaufman, Rob Wilson, and Michael Magarinos. Special thanks to Jason Spisak for technical support.